Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired Baltimore police sergeant. In the Law Enforcement Today radio show, we are joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, their families, and the community. We'll also be discussing issues in the news from the perspective of those in law enforcement. Check out our daily articles on our website, lawenforcementtoday.com. And while you're there, download our free app. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook. Search for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. He retired from the Baltimore Police Department, became a pastor, got his doctorate, and now he's dedicating his life to saving the lives of police officers and first responders from suicide. And he's coming up on the Law Enforcement Today Show. The Law Enforcement Today Radio Show is brought to you in part by Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725 online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has a nationally acclaimed Veterans and First Responders Treatment Program offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the dedicated and highly specialized treatment they need at Transformations. Their program features first responders and veterans therapists helping first responders and veterans. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at transformationstreatment.center. Calling us from the great state of Delaware. Believe it or not, I have a lot of friends living in Delaware. A lot of people who retire from the Baltimore Police Department move to Delaware because of taxes. <laughs> uh, joining us is Robert Douglas. Robert, thanks so much for joining us on Law Enforcement Today's show. Oh, Jay, it's wonderful to be here. I've got to be transparent. For the politicians always say that. Uh, I worked with Robert in the Baltimore Police Department. He's retired from the Baltimore Police Department. Uh, we worked in the same district for a period of time. He was on a different shift, but I did know him from then. Our paths have gone in different ways, but there's a lot of similarity, which we'll talk about in just a few moments. So, Robert, briefly, talk about uh, the start of your law enforcement career, when you started, and when you retired. Yes, Jay, I'd love to do that. I uh, joined the Marine Corps uh, right out of high school in 1964. Vietnam was going uh, hot and heavy at that time. And in 1967, I got out of the Marine Corps. And in 1969, joined the Temple Terrace Police Department, which is right outside of Tampa, Florida. I was there from uh, 1969 to 1974. And, uh, and I, during that period of time, I, I worked all midnight shifts and went to the University of South Florida during the uh, day, daytime area. I graduated from there with a bachelor's degree, criminal justice management. And then in 1975, I came to the Baltimore City Police Department, where I was there um, for around 20 years, 1994 is when I retired. Well, thank you for your service. And one of the things that I just love about having you on as a guest, obviously, is your mission and what you do now. But one of the things that there's a, a big misconception that people have... And I, 
we can blame the media, we can blame the news media, Hollywood, whoever, but they tend to stereotype police as being certain type of individuals. And you are, in many ways, the exact opposite of me. Some people I would am. say that I am like <laughs> I am a like- knuckle-dragging Neanderthal dinosaur, uh, where you, on the other hand, uh, I've always been highly educated. You became a, a pastor. You've got your yes, doctorate. And yes. you represent a totally different aspect or segment of police work that people don't yeah. really understand exists. Yes, you're you're absolutely correct. And I have always felt that I was uh, more an observer than a participant. I, I worked around the greatest guys and girls in law enforcement going back to 1969 uh, to 1994. Uh, got, had the same partner for 18 years. Uh, that's very uncommon in, in the Baltimore uh, arena, so to speak. I, I just, I don't know, I, I looked at myself as being very blessed to have the opportunity to work in one of the most fascinating, um, fulfilling jobs that anybody could possibly have. And that seems, um, you know, a little interesting to say that because it, it's so dangerous, but the reality is, is uh, you get to see a side of humanity that um, most people will never see, and you get to meet the most interesting people from all different cultures and races, and um, I just I just really, really enjoyed that, and uh, it's still very much with the foundation, the National Police Suicide Foundation, it's still very much part of who I am. And it's funny, after all these years, I've been retired since 92. I got hurt and retired a couple of years before you. Uh, and it's still very much part of who I am and is very much part of my mission nowadays. And Absolutely. especially with the challenges we're facing. But you brought up some really good points. And before we talk about the Police Suicide Foundation and what you do now, I feel the same way about police work. I feel the same way about Baltimore. I have a, a love-hate relationship with Baltimore. And, and my love for Baltimore is the people that I worked with in the police department were some of the best people I've ever met in my life. And the people we worked with in the community, uh, they ranged from every walk of life you can imagine uh, and still be in the same neighborhood. Uh, and it was a blue-collar town. It was always a rough, violent town. But the vast majority right. of people were phenomenal people. Yes, they were. Yes, they were. I, uh, I, I bumped in one of uh, our colleagues, um, uh, I guess about six months ago at BWI, I was flying out to the West Coast. And I said to him, I said, uh, do, you miss, do you miss a job? And he made the most uh, interesting analogy. He said, um, I, uh, I, don't, I don't miss the circus, but I do miss the clown. Yes, that's perfect. It's very, very interesting. I, yeah. I miss the people I work with. I miss I, absolutely. that immensely. I always have. But the what, hate part the hate of the love-hate relationship with Baltimore has to do with the politics, the underhanded yes. stuff that happens with City Hall. And that's, this is a Baltimore thing. That's all over the United States. Yeah. yeah well, I believe that is true. And uh, But uh, I guess we want to really strive more than anything else to remember uh, our jobs and our professions uh, in, in the light of things that were, were good and wholesome and um, things where we learned very, very valuable lessons. Uh, I know I did over the uh, 20 years I was with Baltimore. Uh, so I'm, uh, I'm very pleased. Uh, I'm very happy at this stage of my life in what, uh, what life has been able to avail to me. Now, what is it you're doing now for the uh, uh, sake of those who are listening? 
Wow, Jay, it's the most interesting field that, that any of us in this uh, arena of law enforcement could ever encounter. Uh, in 1985 in Baltimore City, I, I lost a colleague of mine to suicide. And from that uh, suicide, I went through a period of depression. I uh, even had uh, suicidal ideations. Uh, uh, and I needed to get um, the opportunity to speak to someone about these feelings and emotions that I had. And as I, I looked around, and, and somewhat of a, a being naive within my own agency, I was thinking that maybe the counseling that was offered uh, through our employee assistance program would be where I would go. And I know that many agencies have wonderful uh, employee assistance programs, so I'm only talking about uh, ours, okay? And I, I immediately, after uh, briefly being involved in that, I immediately realized that I needed to get somebody that I, I could uh, sincerely trust with what I was going to say to them. Once I was able to establish that, then I started realizing that the feelings I was having uh, was very normal to a very abnormal circumstance. Things that we learned uh, when we were on uh, the critical incident stress management team in Baltimore, you know. So it, uh, from that, uh, after about a period of three years, uh, I found a real need to uh, to somehow address the issue for whatever re- uh, reason. I I felt like I was responsible for this uh, this officer's death, and I know that sounds uh, interesting. But that is the case with suicide, where versus a line of duty death, we, we can uh, focus our anger and our frustration externally. In cases of suicide, we all seem to take a certain level of responsibility. So I wanted to try to um, address that issue within my own heart and my own mind and be able to give back. Some of the issues that I was feeling, I was wondering if other officers felt the same way when they were having suicide issues in, in and around their agency or in their families. So I um, developed what is known today as a PSA model, a police suicide awareness model. And from that model, um, I was able to put together a program and a little presentation. It ran for uh, two hours at that time. Uh, I gave that program in Baltimore, and in the group that I gave it to uh, was a representative from the COPS organization, Concerns of Police Survivors. Mm-hmm. And that person went back and said something to uh, Director Susie Sawyer, who is uh, the founder, basically. Great person, of by the way. She's oh, phenomenal. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. And she called me and said, Would you like to give this program in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, at one of their traumas of law enforcement? That was in 1987, and I gave the first program there, and the reviews, Jay, were off the charts. They said, uh, we need more of this. We need to talk about this. And so she said, you know, I wonder if it's just geographical. I wonder if it's just dealing with what we're we're experiencing in the Pennsylvania area. Or I'm about to cut Baltimore you area. off right here. We're going to take a short break. We're talking to Robert Douglas, retired Baltimore police sergeant, pastor, uh, doctorate, uh, and part of a huge movement uh, preventing and raising awareness about police suicides. This is the Law Enforcement Day Show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. We all know that law enforcement, first responders, and military have dangerous jobs. They see and experience traumas that most can't even imagine. And all too often, that takes a toll leading to substance abuse, PTSD, and co-occurring mental health disorders. 
Transformations Treatment Center is dedicated to helping protect those who protect. Call 888-991-9725 online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has a nationally acclaimed veterans and first responders treatment program offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the dedicated and highly specialized treatment they need at Transformations. Their program features first responders and veterans therapists helping first responders and veterans. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at transformationstreatment.center. Are you working so hard to make a living you can't take time to make any real money? Is every day the same boring routine going nowhere and the money runs out before the month? My name is Ron Legrand and for over 35 years now I've been helping clients take their life back by buying and selling houses with no money, credit, experience, or license. If you'll call 800-956-0677, 24 hours, and leave a message, I'll send you my new book and CD absolutely free so you can see how. I've bought hundreds of houses and trained thousands to do the same. Call 800 956 0677 and get your free starter kit until 500 are gone. You'll learn how to make a full-time income on a part-time basis without risk, largely tax-free, and get 90% of the work done for you for pennies. That's 800-956-0677. 800-956-0677. Again, 800-956-0677. That's 800-956-0677. <music> You don't see as well as you used to, and it's getting worse. You're not sure where to turn for support. Wondering what's next? Vision loss doesn't have to hold you back from living the life you want. The National Federation of the Blind can help, whether you're blind or experiencing vision loss. Visit nfb.org to connect with people in your community and get support. The National Federation of the Blind. Live the life you want. When you have a chance, be sure to go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, and download our free mobile app. We have a version for your Android and iPhone devices. It's 100% free. Get it at lawenforcementtoday.com. Returning to our conversation with Robert Douglas on the Law Enforcement Today show. Before we get into more details, which, by the way, I find fascinating, uh, tell us where people get more information about the National Police Suicide Foundation. Well, they can go on our website at www.psf.org, or they could just uh, Google the National Police Suicide Foundation, or they can just put in uh, police suicide, and uh, they will come up with the National Police Suicide Foundation. We're, uh, we're an organization that uh, is located in 28 states out of the uh, 50 states that we have, and uh, our primary goal more than anything else is twofold one is education and training and we have a uh, a executive we have a director of uh, research and development uh, in fresno california dr nicole alvarez uh, she takes care of uh, 
getting involved in the different research projects like the Rudderman Foundation research that was done just uh, in 2018. Uh, and she handles uh, young doctoral students who want to get their uh, um, their thesis for their, their Ph.D. Uh, put together, and they work with the National Police Suicide Foundation to do national surveys. And this way they're able to get their doctorate degree, and we're able to turn out a, a, a great research. That's, that's one aspect of the foundation. The other aspect deals with the families. And we deal with families not just in the 28 states, but throughout the United States. Whenever there is uh, a need at the immediate uh, need where the family have lost their law enforcement loved one and they need to line up counseling or they need to talk to one of our representatives to try to understand why their loved one would choose to commit suicide. So uh, half of it deals with uh, families and, and trying to meet their needs and the other half is with research and development. And you get more information on your website. That website Absolutely. address is psf.org. That's P is in Paul, S is in Sam, S is in Frank.org. And that's where you have a list of board members and members throughout the different states. Absolutely. I believe Absolutely. it says 28 states you've got representatives in right now. Is that what the deal is? 20, 28 states, yes. So I'm sure you'll be expanding. We keep hearing in the news, we keep hearing in law enforcement today uh, that the uh, police suicide problem is huge, and it's not just with police, it's first responders and military veterans as well. Absolutely. And there's a lot of parallels, and I'm by no means an expert. But one of the things that, kind of be honest with you, Robert, kind of gets my goat is people act like this is a recent problem. Uh, and it's been going on for as long oh. as I can remember. <laughs> I mean, when I was oh, a rookie Jay. police, oh, it was oh. happening. It was first, the first major research was done back in 1934 to 1937 under Mayor LaGuardia uh, in New York City where they had 93 police officers with NYPD that committed suicide. Over 90% of them shot themselves in the head with their own service weapon, and uh, at least three-quarters of them, relationship issues were the number one reason why. And that brings uh, a major point right now to our listeners. That was in 1934 to 1937. In 19, or, uh, in 2019, we have experienced basically uh, the same thing. Mm-hmm. The number one reason for officers that committed suicide in 2018 were relationship issues. Yeah, and I, I've been seeing a, a triad, uh, and many researchers put out that the, the three things that seem to to be symptomatic or similar with uh, law enforcement and first responder suicides. Uh, post-traumatic stress, they say, is a, is a major factor in many of them, not yes. all. Substance abuse, drinking, yes. drugging, and the isolation yes. that goes along with that. And then they wind up having relationship problems and yes. quite often problems at work. And those, those combined usually wind up ending in suicide. Yes, and the irony is what the Rudderman Foundation found out out of Massachusetts when we did that research with them is that the, the reasons why they committed suicide with firefighting services versus law enforcement is almost identical. Alcoholism, alcoholism. Yeah. Infidelity, infidelity. Breakdown of the family unit, breakdown of the family unit. Drug-related issues, drug-related issues. Uh, even though there are two different groups 
in our emergency responders, the similarities as, as far as the, the reasons why uh, was amazing. They very close. You think that we've been studying this since the 1930s. We'd make more progress than we're making now, and it just it, <laughs> it doesn't think, seem yeah. it doesn't seem like we're really getting anywhere. And one of the things I do recall, and this is just from our agency. So look at all the different agencies across the United States. I do recall stories of brothers and sisters who committed suicide while they were active members of the Baltimore Police Department. Uh, I do remember some in the last few years. Uh, that have happened, and they've been some people that no one, absolutely no one saw it coming, and they were every race, every gender, every That's socioeconomic right. status, religious status, they they crossed all spectrums, it didn't matter, yes. and all yes. of them, for me, was like being punched right in the solar plexus. Yes, absolutely. The one common denominator, uh, Jay, more than anything else, is that we're all human, and Very that uh, the reason, and, and this is my professional opinion, but I think the reason more than anything else that human beings strive to live is because they have to have purpose. You remove purpose away from a human being, they will not want to continue on. And unfortunately, in our job, there is such a buy-in to what we do as a professional uh, unit as such. Um, we are all in, as they would say. And we find that, uh, and a good indicator of that is, within the first five years of retirement, after 20 or 25 years, the suicide rate for uh, police officers in retirement, that first five years now, could be as high, and I've seen different studies, could be as high as 200 per 100,000. And if you want to put that to some perspective, you have to look at the general population today is running about 12.6 per 100,000. The most conservative numbers in law enforcement are running 14 to 28 per 100,000. So what is, what is the reason why an officer that has spent a full career, a wonderful, fulfilling career of 20 or 25 years, would want to end their life within the first five years of retirement? Well, the answer is basically that, uh, you know, they, the job defines who they are and not what they do. And that is the key. We want to train our, our young officers to come aboard today to enjoy the job, to engage in the job, but not to allow the job to identify who they are. And become absolutely everything. I, I do remember my career ended rapidly. I, I got hurt on an arrest with the, with the typical unarmed man scenario that tried to shoot me in my service revolver. And fortunately, I was not shot, but my wrist was destroyed in the fight. And many, many surgeries later, I was retired at the ripe old age of 33. At that point, it's like, now what do I do? Who am I? And all this free time on your hands, and what happens with free time is a lot of thinking. And what happens with a lot of thinking is dwelling on and rehashing old things that were not good, and that can create a vicious scenario. And with our retirees in particular, uh, they're really not reported. The suicides are are pretty much unreported uh, nationally. And we're going to take a short break. We are talking Robert Douglas. Robert is a retired Baltimore police officer. You know how much I love my Baltimore police. It's so good to have them on. And he is also (laughs) a doctor. He's a pastor. And he is pretty much the founder. I'm going to give him a little kudos, whether it's deserved or not, of the National Police Suicide Foundation online at psf.org. This is Law Enforcement Today's show. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. 
Americans are going crazy for a new Italian diet pill that burns three times more fat than dieting alone. And the next 100 callers get three bottles for free. Sold under the brand name Invigorate 3X, this powerful pill triggers metabolic acceleration, a process that's deficient to most Americans, making weight loss a hassle. But a new study shows 30 pounds gone in 90 days with just two capsules a day. Julie B. of Nashville says, I was skeptical, but when I saw a famous doctor made it, I decided to try it. I was shocked. I lost 16 pounds in six weeks. For a limited time, our listeners get three free bottles with a qualifying order. Call 1-800-932-1786 now to get started. Call in the next 10 minutes and also get a free bottle of the Doctor's Ultra Detox. And don't forget your free 14-day diet fix. No obligation and 100% free when you call right now. 800-932-1786. 800-932-1786. Epidemic. America's public health crisis. These are all terms that describe the current problem of drug and alcohol abuse in the United States. Countless lives are lost, and heartbroken families are too many to count. Transformations Treatment Center is dedicated to saving lives. Call 888-991-9725 and online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has many acclaimed treatment programs offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. And online at transformationstreatment.center. They'll challenge your authority because that's what kids do. But this car is your territory. And in here, your word is law. So when you say you won't move until everyone's buckled up, you won't budge an inch. Until you hear that click. Never give up. Until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. For more information, visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup. If you've missed past episodes of Law Enforcement Today's show, never fear. You can listen to them online. Just go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, or download our free app, also available on our website. That's lawenforcementtoday.com. Back to the Law Enforcement Today's show. Joining me on the phone from Delaware, Robert Douglas. Robert is a retired Baltimore police officer and... What happens quite often, I'm sure you've had this happen too, Robert, and people say, oh, and my partner's here, law enforcement, they owe this. Oh, by the way, you know, so-and-so, he was on the Baltimore Police Department. And I usually <laughs> say, no, I don't. It was a big agency, and, and he worked in different parts of the city. Or it turns out they were Baltimore County, not Baltimore City. But Robert Greenberg went to a, a, a function, a conference, and you were there. And he says, hey, by the way, you know a guy named Robert Douglas? I went, yeah, I do. I worked for that guy, I believe, Central District. And I remember you because you were one of the few guys other than the homicide detectives that were particularly fond of wearing a bow tie. Uh, that's correct. 
And that's just for some reason. And you're one of those few guys that can wear it well. I mean, I wear a bow tie and I look like bows on a clown. I really love it. (laughs) It took me me several years to... um, to get up enough courage to, to start wearing it, I we used to have in the Baltimore City Police Department Buddies Night at the stadium, and we'd take inner-city kids to the uh, ballpark. And I would go by University of Baltimore, because I went through graduate school there back in the early 70s, and uh, President Turner was the uh, president of the university at the time, and I would love to go see him, and he wore a bow tie. And I remember saying to him one time, I really, you really look nice with a bow tie, uh, President Turner. And he said, well, why don't you uh, wear one, Bob? I said, eh, a lot of peer pressure, sir. Yeah. I yeah. said, I don't think anybody would really, uh, really like that. He said, well, you don't wear that because you want to please other people. You wear that because you want to please yourself. And he said, uh, go down to Brooks Brothers and ask them for a gentleman's book, which they keep behind the counter. And you don't buy it. At least you do now, but you didn't then. And so I did and went and picked up a bow tie at Joseph Banks uh, down on Pratt Street. You're and, bringing back uh, memories. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And I uh, I learned how to tie it. And I've that's been my signature basically now from for oh, the last 30-some-odd years. That's an interesting point years. you brought up, the, brought the, up. Peer the peer pressure. We had... The camaraderie, and that's a term that's used quite often, but the camaraderie, the people that we worked with, uh, we became very, very close. And yes, uh, we would ride each other unmercifully. The practical <laughs> jokes yes, we would play on each other yes, were we uh, vicious at times. Or, or bystanders, my wife at the time would say, man, I just don't get you guys. And I loved every second of that. That was probably one of the yeah. most important, vital parts of the job for me and the whole experience. I know. Uh, no, it really it really uh, bonds you. I, uh, I I mentioned to you I had the same partner for 18 years, and I did. Uh, that's Charlie Feaster, uh, and he is still with Baltimore. Hopefully, uh, he'll be retiring very very soon because I think there was a mandatory out at at 70 something like that. So, uh, but he was such a great partner. He was a black officer raised on Sinclair Lane, and I was uh, only child, mama's boy, raised in Land Lakes, Florida. So we had we had quite a relationship over the years, and you're absolutely right. We would play all kinds of jokes on each other. Oh yeah. I think a lot of it was based on the fact that we we were taking in such toxic emotions on a daily basis. You figure Baltimore was having 368 homicides. I mean, we were rocking and rolling three to five part one offenses per night per unit. We worked the high rises. 851 George, as you remember, 900 Argyle. You had uh, 2,300 residents, 14-story high-rises, very, very poor citizens, and uh, it it had a lot of issues. And when you you experience more than the average citizen would experience in a lifetime, you experience in just maybe two or three days, you can understand what what I mean by I, I talk about toxic, emotions that we're constantly taking in and so the laughter and the uh joking around with each other um well that sort of took the edge off of everything we we call it in our profession black humor and and the citizens have a difficult time dealing with that because it seems to be inconsistent with what they would think the behavior should be right and or, or think, it could be viewed as unprofessional from the unprof- on the outside <laughs> yeah. look at yeah, him that's- he's acting like a jerk 
Yes, I know, I know. But it's not really. Uh, and you almost have to be in the profession to to relate to it. Now, so, I didn't start off that way, but after a while you develop that. It becomes almost yeah, second nature. Do. And I, I remember I, one of the things that we used to have to do, and when I tell people about this, that we're in law enforcement, they are almost aghast. And, and when we get calls for a DOA, uh, could be a murder or could be right. you know unattended death or whatever it might be, but it was a badly decomposed body in the apartment right. with the windows closed. Yeah, and we knew is a bad, bad oh. scene, and the the odor you'll never forget. So, yeah. as a sergeant, one of the first things I did, or if I was acting lieutenant, is you call every rookie, every rookie officer that just graduated from the academy. They have to come up to that scene, and you have to teach them how you do this line of work because the first time you deal with it, believe me, you'll never forget it. No, you don't. And there's certain mistakes you don't want to make, and I'm not going to get graphic about it. No, we don't want to do that. But I, do I know re- what you're saying. Yes. I, I do remember a call at the old, an old bus station in Baltimore, and there's a, a call for a, an unattended body in a basement that was flooded. And we get there. It was downtown, Central District. We get down there, and the body had been there for a while. He was on his knees, and he'd grown mold on him from being in the water for so long. And the first thing I did was I, of course, called for all the rookies to show up and start calling out numbers. But I went to the carryout and got a slice of pizza first. And was <laughs> standing there eating the pizza while making them look at this body. And they're, they're throwing up. And that's, that's part of how you learn how to deal with it. You're of course, later on, sure. my stomach was a wreck because of it. But I didn't let them see that. No, no, you wouldn't. And, and all of us would carry these uh, Vicks. Uh, Big staple rub. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> because it would take away from the odor. Oh, you'd, you'd have, have to. Yeah, there was oh. certain things, and I try to pass that information on to young police nowadays, especially in the suburban areas where I am now. And they look at me and they don't really understand. And I say, well, that's because you haven't handled one of these calls yet. When you do, right. you will understand, and you'll understand the value of having a can of Lysol spray. In either uh, in a Absolutely. your patrol bag, Vicks Vapo Rub, coffee right. grinds to grounds <laughs> to burn in a pan. Uh, a lot of things we learn to do. I know. But what, Isn't it wonderful? Yeah, I it, mean, it, I, that's useful. It, brings, it just brings wonderful memories back. And yeah. see that statement. That statement is contrary to what you know the average person on the street would say. There, there's nothing funny. There's nothing humorous about any of that you just said. But I don't think I don't think they realize what it means to be part of this kind of family. This is not like any other family that you'll ever have, and you never you know you never really truly forget each other. Uh, you remember faces, but you don't always remember right. the name. And you'll say, "Gee, you were with Baltimore, wasn't you?" And and they go, "Yeah, yeah," you know. So it's almost like when I was in the Marines, the same kind of uh, comradeship that you would uh, you would have in our profession. Yeah, it, it's it was it was wonderful. That's also a great point you brought up. That so many, I, I consider myself to be very very fortunate because I was trained, you know, in law enforcement. When you're a new officer, you go through the academy, you do field yeah. training, all that stuff, but then you put on the street, and you, you're taught by the senior officers and yes, the ones been around. And I was very lucky. I was taught by Vietnam veterans. And yeah. we had a few commanders and old timers, real old timers that were Korean War veterans. And yes, these, yes. these men really knew how to do policing in a violent yes, area did. and still how to do things like respect people yes. uh, and make them feel respected and make them feel yes. not disrespected, which was so 
crucially important. And I think we're missing a lot of that nowadays. Yes, sir. I, I think so. You don't see that continuity together like you used to. And then that's that's really unfortunate. But, uh, well, sometimes we learn more from our failures than we do our successes. Okay? Absolutely. Absolutely. We're yeah. going to take a short break. We are talking with Robert Douglas. Robert is a pastor. He's also a He's got his doctorate. He is one of the founders of the National Police Suicide Foundation and also retired Baltimore Police. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. We're going to take a short break. I promise you, we'll be right back. Are you working so hard to make a living you can't take time to make any real money? Is every day the same boring routine going nowhere and the money runs out before the month? My name is Ron Legrand, and for over 35 years now, I've been helping clients take their life back by buying and selling houses with no money, credit, experience, or license. If you'll call 800-956-0677, 24 hours, and leave a message, I'll send you my new book and CD absolutely free so you can see how. I've bought hundreds of houses and trained thousands to do the same. Call 800 956 0677 get your free starter kit until 500 are gone you'll learn how to make a full-time income on a part-time basis without risk largely tax-free and get 90 percent of the work done for you for pennies that's 800-956-0677 800-956-0677 again 800-956-0677 that's 800-956-0677 Adopt U.S. Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. You've messed up your daughter's haircut. Do you, A, get spiritual? Mom, where's the mirror? Beauty is within. Oh. B, find the positives. Less time blow drying, more time texting. Or C, show empathy. Mom, you really don't have twinsies. I kind of love it. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on adoption, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ed Council. Want to fly somewhere? Looking for cheap flights or cheap tickets? Then call. That's right. Call the low-cost airline travel hotline now for prices so low, we can't publish them anywhere. Low-cost airlines has all kinds of cheap travel deals. Fly domestically and save up to 75%. You can even fly internationally and save even more. Yes, fly anywhere in the world and save a lot of money on your plane tickets. We'll even save you money with cheap travel deals on hotels, rental cars, even complete travel packages. So don't book your tickets until you call us first for the absolute cheapest prices on U.S. and international airline tickets and hotels. Call right now for prices so low they can't be published. Travel experts are here 24-7 to help. 800-451-8603. 800-451-8603. That's 800-451-8603. When you have a chance, be sure to go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, and download our free mobile app. We have a version for your Android and iPhone devices. It's 100% free. Get it at lawenforcementtoday.com. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. I'm John J. Wiley, retired Baltimore police sergeant, and joining me on the phone, Robert Douglas, retired Baltimore City police officer. Robert, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show, man. Thank you, Jay, very much. And I, I just... Don't get a chance to really talk to too many folks in Baltimore. But one of the things that 
is I found to be very, very true. No matter where in the United States someone was policing, no matter what decade, uh, there's a lot of similarities. And there's a lot of similarities with current day policing, even though the media would tell you otherwise compared to the policing of the 80s and the 90s, which, by the way, was far more violent than it is today. We have far more officers killed back then. Uh, We had so many more brutalized and injured and a lot of the issues that we're dealing with today uh, are not new. They're old issues that have been going on for a long time. And one of them is a police officer suicide, first responder suicide, that's, veteran that's suicide. And that's really what your forte is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And it has, has been since I founded the National Police Suicide Foundation since 1997. Suicides have been going on for, as you mentioned, going back as far as I first recorded back in 1934. But the reality is that some things have not changed. Uh, What we're finding today, uh, even though it's not a a new issue, we're finding that the the numbers are starting to really creep up. I recall that USA Today, back in 1999, June 1st, if somebody would like to look it up, did a feature article on the National Police Suicide Foundation. And in that article, uh, I said that even though we didn't have hard data, I said that we are looking at at least 300 suicides a year uh, going on nationwide among our 18,000 agencies and some 900,000 law enforcement personnel. What we are looking at today uh, has become more of a reality than we have ever experienced before. And we are seeing today a, a, I don't know, a cultural bias among uh, many of the agencies where they are not readily uh, willing to look at the issue of suicide and accept it as a, a reality that we're dealing with. And we're seeing agencies that uh, are being very proactive and uh, they implement PSA modeling, police suicide awareness modeling uh, immediately. And they uh, really make a great investment to their rank and file when they do that. But among our 18,000 agencies, Jay, we're looking at something like 3% of them have any kind of uh, mental health and suicide prevention training. Only three percent. That is not good. Less than three uh, percent. What we have, uh, what we have been able to find out. What so amazes become- me about that is, you know, so many agencies are are very proactive when it comes to critical incidents or the big deals. Yeah, I feel that they are missing, and really not being as proactive when it comes just to the daily grind of what a, what this job does to people. And we, we miss out in that area. And we've we're, we're got a lot of people falling through the cracks because we're not addressing that. Yes, absolutely. We're, we're running into that situation. What a lot of the agencies, and this is something I hope your listeners will pick up on, a lot of police administrators have a tendency to think that if they talk about the issue of suicide to their personnel, then they're somewhat buying into it. They're accepting responsibility for it. But what we have found over the years is that uh, – the mere fact that we act as if we don't have a problem and we misclassify our suicides, and I might say this is not uncommon to do this, misclassify them as accidental discharge, undetermined death, we are then opening ourselves for litigation because uh, we've had a number of our families nationwide that have uh, had psychological autopsies done um, in reference to the suicide of their loved one and it was found that they were suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder, which makes that a LOD, a line of duty death. Uh, and that was 
you know, what was the end result of that, of that uh, adjudication that it ended up being uh, a line of duty death versus, uh, you know, a non-line of duty death. And so agencies almost have to get themselves sued to be able to understand that uh, this is a, a very uh, vital issue that needs to be immediately addressed within our agencies in, in law enforcement. So I would highly encourage law enforcement agencies today to uh, start with their uh, academy and have maybe an hour block uh, uh, for their their young recruits coming on, talking about the the signs and the symptoms of uh, of what is the causation of suicide and and how we can prevent it, and make intervention, and then in our in service training when our officers come back. Uh, every every year for updates on local ordinances and things like that, that uh, they, again, talk about the issue of uh, mental health and suicide prevention. And if our listeners would like to have any information on that, uh, you know, we'd be more than happy to uh, provide that for them. We had a situation that has occurred within the last few years, which I was, uh, I think is just absolutely wonderful. The Arlington Police Department in uh, Arlington County uh, in uh, in Virginia, uh, has made donation, financial donations to our foundation that allows us for uh, a number of agencies to be able to do training at no cost. It's just like having a grant program. And uh, if the agency is interested, especially in your area, because you've been experiencing a lot of problems in the Hillsborough County area, uh, in the Pinellas County area, mm-hmm. over in uh, Sarasota and Clearwater area, uh, you've had issues with homicide, suicide. So if any of those surrounding agencies would be interested uh, in having a, uh, a one-day seminar and having a train-to-trainer program, you know, where we have a three-day, 15-module training that teaches the agencies uh, how to implement their own PSA model and how to have their own instructor uh, be able to give this information out, uh, please contact us. Uh, you can email us, if you will, uh, you know, my email, personal email is redoug2001 at aol.com or give us a, you can give me a call on my cell at 443-889-5666. And this uh, is a problem think, that's going on everywhere. I, Chicago is having a, a monstrous problem with You're this. absolutely correct. Uh, I've, I spoke in Oak Ridge, uh, Illinois, right outside of Chicago, uh, with the traumas of law enforcement, and we had to change our venue three times three times because of the numbers of officers from the Chicago area that wanted to participate. They're having a terrible time. Their officers are uh, nationwide. They're about 60% more likely to commit suicide than any other officer in any other agency in our country. That's that's amazing. And, and it, that is so sad. And, and it's not just sad for our law enforcement community. It's sad for our communities where they serve because the people that are committing suicide in law enforcement are veteran officers yep, by and large. Mm-hmm. And so when someone becomes really good at their job, it, they've got many years on the street. That's when they become the most proficient in law enforcement. Uh, and correct. they're able to pass on those lessons to someone else. And the community does better. And these are the ones who are killing themselves. That's correct. Their average age, uh, Jay, was uh, 35 last year, 35 years of age. So it's not the, the 21-year-olds, it's not the 22-year-olds no, coming out of the job. No, you can have that. You can have it. Yeah. Uh, several years ago, Fletsy, the Federal Law Enforcement Training Center, had me come down there because they'd had three recruits 
from three different federal agencies commit suicide within a year. And that was interesting. They were very young. They hadn't even got out of the academy yet, but they, they had used the same profile. It was a gunshot to the head or to the mouth, and it was relationship issues. So uh, you can be very young, and you can be retired, but the average age is around 35. Well, I'm so glad you're doing this. Uh, I'm so glad you came on the show to talk about it. And I can tell this already, brother. We got to have you back to talk more about oh, absolutely, uh, the, the the National Police Suicide Foundation, what you do to prevent this, and also to talk more about the the differences and the appearances through the media of what law enforcement is all about, because they really don't get a very good picture. Robert Douglas, thanks so much for joining us on Law Enforcement Today Show. Very much appreciated. Thank you, Jay. Great, great talking to you again. In every community across the United States, we have law enforcement officers. We have first responders. We have incredible stories of heroism from our first responders. In addition to that, we have heroic crime victim survivors. If you want to tell your story of survival and how you recovered and how you rebuilt your life, Feel free to contact us. We'd love to have you as a guest on the Law Enforcement Today show. Go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com. You can contact us on our Facebook page. Heck, send me an email. My email address is j, that's J-A-Y, at lawenforcementtoday.com. You see, we'd love to hear your story. And we know, we hear so often, I have a story to tell, but no one will give me a platform. Law Enforcement Today is your platform. When you have a chance, be sure to go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, and download our free mobile app. We have a version for your Android and iPhone devices. It's 100% free. Get it at lawenforcementtoday.com. Thank you so much for spending part of your day with us here at Law Enforcement Today. On behalf of everyone associated with the show and the website, this is John J. Wiley. Until next time, see ya. (laughs) 